From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. I bring you congratulations. As of yesterday afternoon, the United States of America is the gold medal winner in the men's curling, okay? Sucks you in that thing. I tell you, I, I, went, I went out, I bought a Swiffer last night. I just thought I gotta, I've been doing it, which coincidentally is my go-to move on the dance floor. So it's, it's uh, but man, I, um, I just, I thought as I saw those guys competing yesterday, I thought I bet their wives are watching saying, you know, he never does that at home. Like I, I, to get him to clean up after himself, I don't, um, but it's good, it's great. Um, so what I want to do, the visual I want to create though for our teaching this morning, we're going to be talking about this word intimacy. And the visual from the Winter Olympics, okay, you see all these different things, you see the bobsleigh guys, they go down feet first, you do that, but the real, the, there are guys who, it's called the skeleton, right? They go down head first, okay? They, they voluntarily run forward, um, and dive headfirst down this luge and go at whatever speeds they go. So I don't know what kind of childhood wounds those guys have, but uh, that's where it led them to, uh, is doing that. But what I want to invite us into this morning is this thing called intimacy. If you're anything like me, can cause me to go, hey, I want to go feet first, okay? Uh, like not literally, but like um, I want to just like dip my toe into this, you know? Um, but what I'm inviting us to do is like on that, I want to dive headfirst. Um, and I want us to go, okay, we're just going to race down and race through and take the, take the turns together, okay? So the question that I want to frame this morning for us, or, or just for each of us to consider, is this. Are you, are you desiring intimacy with God? There's no right or wrong answer to that. I'm not looking for, you know, uh, however many hands to go up and say, yes, absolutely. Because I understand that even in the question, are you desiring intimacy with God, that a number of those words might even be challenging or, or uh, triggering for you. The word desire might be a hard word for you to embrace. Because desire implies putting yourself out there, naming what you long for, and running the risk that what you long for is not provided. And so if you've desired intimacy in a human relationship and felt the burn of not receiving it back, it would make sense that even as you think about desiring intimacy with God, that it might be hard to name your desire. The word intimacy might be challenging too. Because intimacy in, uh, informs this vulnerability, this nakedness of the soul, this I want to be seen and known for who I truly am. And the reality is, is that for many of us in a whole myriad of relationships, intimacy, we look at it and say, that is the thing that got me into the trouble in the first place. That if I could only shut that desire down, then I would be safe. And lastly, the, the, the last word in that that could be a challenge for us is the word of God, the name of God. The, the reality is, is that God made us in his image, and so often in our lives we make him in our image or somebody else's image. And so somebody in your life at different stages may have represented God to you in a church setting, in a family setting. And so the reality could be that 
you and I might have been burned by our desire for intimacy with God and made a decision in our hearts, never again, I'm never going back. So this morning, I want us to dive into some uh, sections from a book called The Song of Solomon or The Song of Songs. Solomon wrote thousands of songs, but this is described as his masterpiece, the, the quintessential song that he wrote. And before we dive into it, we're not going to read all of it this morning. First of all, it's too long. And secondly, if you've read it, you know it would make me blush. Okay, there are pieces of that that I'm like, whoa, hey, hey, this is for you guys. Not for, you know, you guys can pursue intimacy, not me. But, um, but it's this beautiful book. But a few things to frame the conversation. First of all, the author, this man Solomon, the son of David, who himself became the king of Israel that Solomon writes this song about love. And yet in his own personal life, we read that he had hundreds of wives and even hundreds more slave women that he would birth children with. And so the, the reality of that is not to trash this man Solomon, right? He has great wisdom to share. Jesus named him for his wisdom years later. But the reality is to name is that you can be a theoretical expert on love and yet in your own personal life not know the first thing about it. And so the invitation today for us is to stop filling this with more stuff because whoever you are, there's too much stuff in it anyway. And the invitation is to say, I want to know intimacy here, not here. The second piece of this song is that it's written from the perspective of a bride and a bridegroom. You and I in our relationship with God, we're called a lot of different titles or names. This morning we sang about, I'm a child of God. And so we pause and we reflect, how does it feel to be a child? What does a child desire? In other places, we're called a sheep, right? I'm not gonna ask you what it feels like to be a sheep, but we're, we're called these names, right, that inform a relationship. And in this book, in this song, and elsewhere in scripture, we're described as the bride. And so the purpose of Jesus' work on the cross was never about winning an individual soul. It was always about winning his bride. A group of people collectively who represent the beauty, the goodness, the salvation of God through his work. And so the invitation then is to ask ourselves, if I am a bride, what does a bride desire the most? That maybe if the word intimacy is hard for us, that what I would name intimacy as is it is a relationship where we feel safe, where we feel secure, where we feel respected and admired and honored and adored. I don't know about you, but I've never sat down with anyone who's in a relationship and said, how's the relationship going? So you know what? I just feel too respected in this relationship. <laughs> I wish she would disrespect me some more. Or have you ever heard a woman say, you know, I just feel too adored. Oh, he just writes these poems about me and these flowers. Do you know how many flowers I have to clean up, right? Like there are things in our life that we desire. And so would we, would we take the risk? To say, you know what, I might not be able to say this out loud. I might not be able to say it to the people closest to me. But as a human being before you and a human being before God, I desire 
to have a relationship together with you, with him, where I feel safe, where I feel seen, and where I feel known. The last piece about this song then as a masterpiece is that the reality is in a song, it can have multiple layers of meaning. And so even as I share some verses from it today, what I'm inviting you to do is apply the layers of meaning to where you're at in your life. Just because something can have multiple meanings doesn't mean it can have any meaning, okay? So we have to lay things against the heart of God, what we know of Him. But the point is this, is that as we engage a masterpiece, that if you and I were to step together into the Louvre in France and look at a masterpiece together, a thousand people staring at the same thing, that if the artist came and stood in front of us and said, let me tell you what this means, my guess is is that half of us would be disappointed at the meaning that they describe. Because the point is, is that masterpieces have multiple layers of meaning. Okay? And so even as we step into this song, it may have a different application to you. And I would just say, let that, like run with that. Okay? Um, again, as we describe going headfirst into it. So um, the three, the way that I want to frame this through three lenses is first of all, how does intimacy begin? Secondly, how does intimacy break? And thirdly, how does intimacy grow? So first of all, Song of Solomon 1 verse 2. It begins this way. This is the bride speaking to the bridegroom or speaking to the people around about him. And so the bride and the bridegroom in Scripture, the bride is a picture of the people of God, right? Back then, the people of Israel, but today, the people of God, including us. And so the intimacy, how does intimacy begin? It begins this way. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. How does intimacy begin? It begins with an invitation, let him kiss me. Now, I, may, I know that may fe- make us feel uncomfortable. I know that make us feel triggered in, in a variety of ways, but one thing I think we have to name, and I don't often go into the, the social or political climate of our day, but the reality is, is that the entire hashtag MeToo movement was born out of the fact that men in Hollywood or politics or business around this country forced themselves upon others when there was no invitation for intimacy. That intimacy, true, authentic, godlike intimacy only ever appears through an invitation from the one who wants to be adored from the one who wants to be admired and loved and seen and known, she begins and says, let him. That even as much as God desires a relationship with each of us, even as much as he desires intimacy with each of us, and even as much as he knows that if he comes in, he would sweep each of us off our feet, the reality is he will never ever violate your right to make first an invitation. And so if you and I are gonna first be people who know intimacy, then we have to begin with engaging with him 
and saying, let him. Let him love me. Let him approach me. Let him come close. It reminds me of a guy, um, this is, he, he was kind of joking, of course, but it was, it was, a, great, it was, a, it was a powerful story. He's, he was telling this story, he's the father of two girls. And a guy comes up to him, just kind of joking a little bit, saying that cliched line, and he goes, man, wow, two girls, you better buy yourself a shotgun. Without missing a beat, the guy looks back at him and goes, how about you raise your sons right so I don't have to, right? <laughs> that if you and I are going to be men of God, okay, this is for the men, then we are going to give intimacy only when it's invited. And if you and I are going to be connected to God and invite intimacy from Him, then it is on us as a people to have a moment for each of us individually and collectively to invite it into our lives. The second point is this, is um, how does intimacy break? Um, the next verse in... Chapter 2, verse 9, says this. This is the bride speaking. She says, look, he is standing behind our wall, gazing through the windows. Is this working okay? This is, yeah. I don't have like an obsession with my ear. I'm just trying to like, uh, <laughs> like, wow, he's really, he really likes that ear. Um, it's comforting. I, when I get nervous, I just rub my earlobe. Um, there we go. Um, this is the bride speaking of him. So how does intimacy break? She says, look, he is standing behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. So this song, again, is a picture of a people engaging with their bridegroom. And in this scene, there is something between them. He is come to pursue her because she made an invitation. She said, let him kiss me, and so he arrives. But when he arrives, there's a wall between them. And the reality is, is that she describes the wall incorrectly. Because what she should really do is say, he stands behind my wall. Because the wall didn't belong to him. And she names it as our wall. And as long as we name something as our wall rather than my wall, we'll never learn how to pull it apart brick by brick. And so there is this barrier in the relationship. Now, barriers in our relationship, there can be walls for a whole host of reasons, right? We know the phrase that his heart, when, if you have a walled up heart, something that is impenetrable, and the reality is, is that those bricks can be built up of a whole host of things. They might be fear. They might be insecurity. They might be the reality that somebody represented God to you when you were younger and they violated the picture of God. And so my purpose this morning is not to blame or shame or accuse or do any of those things that are a waste of time. Not to blame or shame, but simply to say there is a wall and the wall belongs to you. Just like my wall belongs to me. And so 
I understand this, this this place of intimacy. I'm not speaking from a place of I've arrived, like I have a safe, secure, trusting relationship with God. That isn't true of my life most of the time. You see, I grew up in a space where God was represented to me through men, okay, men in leadership positions. And the reality is we always do that. We got, when God said, let us make man in our image, he knew what he was doing. He knew that it would also flip the other way, that people would therefore see him through others. And so for me in my life, that has been a wall that has not been fully broken down yet. The reality of, can God, do I really want to be seen and known by him? The reality can be for some of us that it's also a wall of where we're afraid of being seen and known because if we get seen for who we truly are, then we will be rejected. And so I don't have the solution to that for for each of us this morning, but what I want us to do is is own the fact or name the fact even right now, what is my wall? And the reality of how we take that down, some of those walls, we need to hire like Chip Gaines, right? If you don't watch Chip and Joanna, okay, you don't get to cheer for America in the Olympics, okay? There's a, like a national treasure here. Sometimes we have to call Chip in and he brings his sledgehammer in. Says this wall is done, I'm taking it down. But other times, um, other times, that was a really tender moment to invite Chip into the conversation. So sorry, I... I was trying to, uh, you know. Um, But sometimes the reality is we have to invite others into our life. And sometimes we have to give them the information to say, this wall isn't going to be a sledgehammer. This wall is going to be brick by brick. And it's going to take some time. And the reality that we have from this Song of Solomon, this pursuit of the bridegroom to the bride, is that he has time. See, love is never rushed. It's never forced. Even in the Song of Solomon, it says, do not awaken love until it is ready. And so my invitation to us as each of us names whatever that wall looks like is to then invite others into our lives and say, I need help taking this down brick by brick. The last piece then of this song is about how does intimacy grow? Throughout the Song of Solomon, we see some lines repeated. And if we read it too quickly, we might miss the slight shift in emphasis that the bride is making as she describes her relationship to the bridegroom. And so as we run through here, remember, it begins with an invitation that he would never force himself unless invited. And then we find her behind a wall. And she waits behind the wall for too long that when she finally reappears from behind the wall, that she can't find him. It takes time. It takes time for her to reconnect and find where he is. But the invitation then for each of us is to come out from behind our walls and pursue him in a fresh way. And so as she describes this line, the first time she describes the relationship, she says, my love is mine and I am his. And so as she describes the emphasis or the focus that she has, 
Her primary focus is he belongs to me and now I belong to him. But as she moves through the song, she gets these deeper layers of intimacy to the next time where she shifts the focus. The beginning she said, he belongs to me, I belong to him. Now she says, I belong to him and he belongs to me. That her focus has shifted. That what she has decided is that what is more important than who he is to me, that more important than that is who I am to him. And finally, it culminates in the final uh, description of this where she simply says, I belong to my love and his desire is towards me. And so now the posture of intimacy that she has set in her own life as the bride is that it almost doesn't matter what he is to me but I live my life through the lens of who I am to him. Because the reality is who God is to you, who God is to us as a people, no matter who we are, is always going to shift. That who God was to you when you were five is different than who God is to you at 25 or 55 or 85. That who God is to us as a people, it will shift. And so if we live our life based on the foundation of my perspective of who God is to me, we're going to find ourselves on this uh, roller coaster of a ride. Waking up each morning trying to assess my relationship with him that is always going to shift. But if instead the posture of our heart as individuals and as a people can be that I belong to him. That when I wake up each morning and look in the mirror, my first words are not what I see about me or what I see about him. But my first words, my first meditation is actually about what he sees in me that will never shift. And so she says, I belong to him and his desire is towards me. So we began with the question, are you desiring intimacy with God? And yet the culmination of the song is the reality that he is desiring intimacy with you. And unlike me, unlike us, God isn't triggered by any of those words. He isn't afraid of desire. In fact, he showed the whole world on the cross at Calvary his desire. He was prepared to show his desire and have it rejected. He isn't afraid of intimacy. In fact, you could say this is what the whole story is about. It's about creating a relationship with a people that is safe and secure where you feel known. You see, God already knows himself. God doesn't have the same, of, same kind of identity crises that I might have. When Moses says, who should I say sent me? He says, tell them my name. I am who I am. God is secure in his identity. And from a place of security, he wants you to be in that place too. And so God isn't afraid of the word desire. He's not afraid of the word intimacy. And especially, he is not afraid of the word you. That he longs for you. That he will stand behind the wall. That he will peer through the windows. He will gaze through the lattice. But he will never move until you invite him to move. And so this week, what I want to invite us to do is through those three layers is first of all in our 
in our prayer or right now or in this moment. I just want you to notice whether you're ready to let him. If you're not, it's okay to say, hey, I don't want to let him do anything. In my, I, I'm not ready. But I just want you to notice where you're at. And just own the fact that you have control over your relationship. Both individually and together we do too. Second, in either journaling or praying or singing or driving or however you, wherever you have a space in your life to download, I just want to invite each of us to name our war. We all have one. We're all like master craftsmen at building walls. Like I'm like the worst DIYer on the planet. You know, I'm like, I'm the guy, you ever, you ever buy a house and you're like, that previous owner, what did he do? Well, I'm the previous owner, okay? So I, I'm, and I have a reason, okay? And I don't have time to tell you. Just give me, just buy the house, okay? Um, but <laughs> we're all good at building these walls, so name it and notice it. And then lastly, what I want to invite us to do is to leave this place and saying, I know that what I think about God might be muddy, might be confused, might be messed up. <laughs> I get it. It, it is. But what I'm clear about is what he thinks about me. Because at the end of the day, that's the thing that will never shift, that will never change. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.